And so John begins to cry. I would cry too if this world is all there is. And yet John stops crying because in verses 5 and 6 he realizes that someone is qualified to open this seven-sealed scroll. He is Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God from the tribe of Judah. Why is he worthy? Notice, if you will, Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. They sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain, and you purchased for God with your own blood men from every tribe, tongue, and people, and nation. Why is Jesus Christ qualified to open this scroll? Because he is not just the world's creator, chapter 4. He is the world's redeemer. There's nobody more qualified than him. And so Christ takes the scroll, verse 7, and what is going to begin to happen in chapter 6 is he's going to start pulling open the seals. And by the time the seventh seal is opened, remember the seventh seal will trigger the trumpet judgments. And the seventh trumpet judgments will trigger the bowl judgments. And by the time the seal is open, we know which direction this effort is going. As God's kingdom is coming to the earth, finally. Finally, the prayer of Matthew 6 and verse 10 is being answered. And the ultimate victory belongs to this man, Jesus Christ. And so all of these heavenly entities, the angels, the elders, the four living creatures are praising Jesus Christ. What... What is the bottom line? The bottom line is simply this. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The book of Revelation is about the authority of God coming to the earth and vanquishing Satan. Does God have the right to do what this book describes will happen? He has every right. And the reason he has every right is because he is creator of all things chapter 4, verse 11. He is redeemer of all things, chapter 5, verse 9. He is worthy. You'll notice the word worthy because he's creator, chapter 4, verse 11. You'll notice the word worthy because he is the redeemer, chapter 5 and verse 9. And then very quickly, what begins to happen is Jesus Christ now begins to open these seven seals on this scroll. Every time a seal is opened, a judgment comes to the earth. And so here are the judgments. The first four judgments are what we call the four horsemen of the apocalypse. There are four horses that come forward. First, there'll be a white horse. Then there'll be a red horse. Then there will be a black horse. And then there will be an ashen horse. And in Revelation 6, 1 and 2, the first seal is opened. And a rider on a white horse comes forward and brings peace to the earth. And people say, well, that must be Jesus coming and bringing peace to the earth. I don't think it's Jesus. I think it's the Antichrist. This can't be Jesus because Jesus is in heaven opening the seven-sealed scroll, not riding on a horse down below. Furthermore, when Jesus brings peace to the earth, it'll be permanent. And notice what happens with the second seal. War breaks out. So there's a false temporary peace that's brought in. But the first seal is opened and this man, the Antichrist, comes forward. He's personified as riding on a white horse. He brings a temporary peace to the world. 
He brings what the world has always wanted, political peace without a, without a relationship to God. That's what all of these political leaders today are offering. They're offering world peace without a relationship to Jesus Christ. And the Antichrist is the epitome of this mindset. And he comes forward and he brings the temporary peace. But it doesn't last long because when seal 2 is opened, global warfare breaks out. And seal 3 is broken and famine comes to the earth. And seal number 4 is broken And death comes to the earth. And this is where we learn about a quarter of the world's population dying. I don't think we've ever had an event like that in human history where suddenly one-fourth of people on planet earth suddenly begin to die. And then finally, the sixth seal is opened. And great cosmic disturbances begin to take place. And these cosmic disturbances are so severe that chapter 6 verse 17 concludes with a question notice the question for the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to stand who can stand and survive these events that question is answered in revelation chapter 7 where we have our first non-chronological parenthetical insertion where there's a pause in the action between a six and a seven in a judgment series and John answers the question there is somebody or a group of people that can stand and in verses one through eight we run into a number of individuals called the 144,000 Jews they are sealed by God supernaturally they are protected by God and they come from we're told very clearly in Revelation 7 verses 4 through 8 they come from the 12 tribes of Israel 12,000 from each tribe now many people look at this and they laugh and they say well how could people come from the 12 tribes of Israel everybody knows the 12 tribes of Israel are lost everybody knows that in 722 BC the 10 northern tribes were dispersed And consequently, those tribes are lost. Nobody knows where they are. How can you sit there and tell me that 144,000 are going to come forth from the 12 tribes of Israel? Well, here's my answer. They may be lost to man, but they are not lost to God. God knows where these 144,000 are. He knows where these 12 tribes are. It's interesting in James chapter 1. And verse 1, written 700 years after the northern tribes were scattered, James, the brother of Jesus Christ, mentions the 12 tribes. They are not lost to God, although they may be lost to man. And so these 144,000 begin to come forward, and they begin to evangelize the world. Revelation 7, verses 9 through 17 is a description of all of the peoples of the earth that are reached during this time period through these 144,000s. It is interesting to me that when a Jew gets saved, it's amazing how zealous they become. When suddenly the light bulb goes on and they see that their Old Testament Hebrew Bible points to Yeshua or Jesus Christ. You remember what happened to Saul of Tarsus when he got saved? A Jew, he became a one-man missionary operation 
He did more for the cause of missions than any other human being. Can you imagine Paul multiplied by 144,000? That's the group that can stand. They are brought to faith early on in the tribulation, and they begin to evangelize. So you have two groups here in Revelation 7. Revelation 7, verses 1 through 8, and there's another group in the second part of the chapter, Revelation 7, 9 through 17. The first group is numbered, the second group is innumerable. The first group are Jews, the second group is all nations. The first group is sealed, the second group, most of them are slain as they come to Christ. The first group is sealed before the tribulation starts. The second group is converted out of the tribulation period. The greatest revival in the history of the world breaks forth as God's hand is on this Jewish nation once again. And he's using them to evangelize. Why is God using Israel? Going all the way back to the Abrahamic covenant, God said to Abraham, I will bless you, and through you, the world will be blessed. And guess what? God has not stopped blessing the world through Israel. Israel is the gift that keeps on giving. So Israel moves to the forefront. A first fruits group, not the whole nation, but a smaller group, begins to evangelize And many people come to Christ during the first half of the tribulation period. Why is God not using the church here in Revelation 7? The church, with its missionary endeavors, has been the instrument that God has used for the last 2,000 years. Why is God using Israel once again? Why is he using a small group of Jews that are converted? They're called the first fruits early on. And the answer is because the church is in heaven watching these things. And so the case is beginning to be built more and more for the doctrine of the pre-tribulational rapture of the church. One other quick point before we take our break. These things that we've studied thus far fit hand in glove with a discourse that our Lord gave called the Olivet Discourse. Why do we call it the Olivet Discourse? I asked that in one of my classes and a student says, because we get all of it? And that would be a wrong answer. It's given on the Mount of Olives. And Jesus, in a parallel passage, describes the events of the tribulation period. And so all of the seal judgments that we have looked at line up perfectly with the birth pangs that Jesus described there in Matthew 24. And so the first non-chronological parenthetical insertion is completed. And when we return from our break... We'll come back at 3.30. We'll begin to look at the seventh seal and the trumpet judgments. So I'll see you in 15 minutes.